0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating the people who keep this great country running. We exist to offer leaders a voice outside of their own organisations and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Now, each week on this programme, I'm joined by a different leadership figure from the world of business, education, politics, sports, or even from local communities in the aim of truly discovering who those people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from herd immunity to looking after the community and, of course, the success and the innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. On today's program I'm delighted to be joined by Anwar Ali managing director of Upturn Enterprises a fast growing social enterprise without further ado ladies and gentlemen let's welcome Anwar onto the program Anwar good morning and welcome and thank you for joining us on the program
1: Yeah good morning Scott and uh, thank you for having me and thanks to the listeners who might be popping listening in you know, Yeah well. it's
0: it's a pleasure welcoming you onto the uh, the programme, certainly is a lovely warm day for it. And uh, I suppose a good place to start, and more would be by addressing the elephant in the room here. And that's the fact that as we record this on June the 15th, 2021, we are less than 24 hours after finding out that the Freedom Day of June 21st has been pushed back to July the 19th. So we're still going to be under some form of COVID-19 related social restrictions for a little while longer, having been in the grip of the pandemic in some way, shape or form for the best part of the last 14 months going back to March 2020 when the first lockdown in the UK was called. So over this whole period of time, how has the pandemic affected you and your organisation upturn, would you say?
1: Uh, well, like all of the businesses, I guess, the, we were affected from day one. As in all the uncertainty, obviously, no one knew what was happening really. I think, obviously, we've been playing catch-up ever since we kind of entered into lockdown. And places like Oldham and Greater Manchester, we've actually never been out of lockdown, to be honest. You know, the COVID variants and everything else has been running rampant, as you can see right now at this moment in time. You know, places like Bolton and Blackburn, just on our doorstep, uh, you know, the infection rates were the new. Uh, Delta variant is running right at this moment in time. It just never seems to us that we've never really been out of any kind of lockdown so where the rest of the country at a certain point kind of eased, we were still under severe restrictions and obviously that has a knock you effect know, all across society and more particularly when, from our perspective as a, as a small SME business, you know, mm. we were really affected but it's the uncertainty that's the unknown that has really affected us, unlike yesterday's announcement from the government. Again, we're still in that unknown. We're not 100% sure exactly we're we doing the right thing by unlocking the way we are doing or even kind of returning back to the office in, in a limited capacity. So my guess is as good as yours at this moment in time and everybody else in the country. You know, we, we're trying to just get on and do the right things as safely as possible, I guess. But no one has any answers that, you know, can give us a definite yes or no here there
0: or anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. It is difficult operating in such an uncertain and such a restricted landscape, isn't it? And I suppose that also takes its toll on people's anxieties, people's mental health and people's overall well-being, doesn't it? Um, What impact have you seen on mental health within Upturn and within the people that you work with and how have you sort of gone about managing that, Anwar?
1: I mean, First and foremost, uh, obviously the impact has been kind of kind of not severe. I would say in that respect, it's just all the uncertainty from a business point of view. Obviously, anyone who was employed, any members of staff, you know, it's a worrying time because it's you know you you're part of a bigger family, and obviously we've been affected as well. You know, over the past eighteen months, where various people have actually come down with COVID and we weren't sure 100% you know, how they were going to be affected etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's really been challenging just to keep the business going in this time because from our perspective as a small SME we were lumped in, it doesn't matter that we're a social enterprise as such, we were just treated like any other businesses in terms of what was available to us and the support and the information that we had access to but the mental health issues, you know, I try to keep you know, ha- handle of things as much as I can in terms of being there for other people but from my, from my own personal point of view it's just been a stressful time as such I'm, I'm the kind of person that tries to be a bit more laid back and tries to always look at the positives but it's been really difficult over the past 18 months to kind of stay positive in lots of different ways because we are surrounded, like I said, with so many issues all over the show and it, it like I said it it, it breaks my heart sometimes just seeing the amount of issues that have kind of come to the fore as a result of COVID. You know, these are things that I've been campaigning for and fighting against for since we set up Upturn, you know, back in 2004. And uh, it's just been absolutely eye-watering some of the stories, some of the people that we've been trying to help whilst society is kind of shut down and it's like forgotten or uh, left to kind of, look out for support, and it's it's just not there. So the human cost of what's happened with COVID, I don't think we'll fully understand that and appreciate that until we've kind of come out of the pandemic. But from our perspective as a business, we've tried to do our best, you know, like everybody else, just trying to get on with things, you know, and that's the, the only advice I could kind of say to anyone is you just have to just, like I say, roll your sleeves up and try and do your best in whichever capacity you've got.
0: Exactly right. And you talked a lot about there the sort of guidance and support that had been on offer during this time. And when it comes to sort of the government's overall leadership and guidance over the COVID period, there's been much made of um, sort of the positive sides of things with sort of the business support schemes like the furlough scheme, but also a lot made of mistakes as well. So, for example, maybe that herd immunity strategy at the beginning, leading to more problems than, of course, good things. Um, Do you think that government leadership therefore could have been better, there could have been clearer guidance published sooner and they could have better supported business or is it just a case of they've done the best that they could with minimal time to act?
1: I think reflecting back and funny enough I was actually giving an evidence last week to the old parliamentary group for social enterprises on this very subject mm. in terms of you know, just reflecting back over the last you know period of lockdown and seeing what could have been done and what could have been done better. Uh, I guess at the beginning, because nobody kind of knew about the, you know, COVID anyway, you know, we were, were, you know, I think there was a bit of leeway given to the government. But over the last 18 months, there were so many areas that I think the government has kind of let us down slightly. You know, it's a thankless job anyway, in the the best of times. But there's certain things, like I said, that I haven't agreed with, you know, they could have reacted a bit quicker, you know, they've, they've waited too long or delayed certain conversations. But generally, like I said, the, the, the furlough scheme and things like that, they've been a godsend, not not just only to ourselves, but to the businesses that we work with and people that we support. The wider grants offer, again, I don't think there's not going to be enough money in the world that would help all businesses. So I think the, the government were under a difficult task here because you're never going to please everyone and so many sectors under you know, so much severe pressure in all kinds of ways. But I think the response at times has been flaky, in my opinion. You know, they could have done a lot more, a lot quicker. And I guess that mainly comes down to the communications. You know, there's conflicting messages going out there as, a, as an organization who kind of supports businesses, you know, irrespective of whether you're public, private or third sector. We we saw a this misunderstanding or this fake news, whatever you want to call it, out there. Businesses just didn't know, you know, they were told one bit of guidance and then the next day or the Someone else said something else, totally different. So it's been a really, you know, difficult time, I guess. And and in terms of ourselves as a social business, like we were just, like I said, we were treated like any other business. There was no special, you know, things applied to ourselves. Other than later on, as obviously as different sectors kind of came to the fore, there were some additional monies made available through various, you know, initiatives or grants given. But again, I think the sector was very much on its knees by then and all these funds were oversubscribed so we, we managed like I said to apply for a number of pots never kind of got rejected because they're oversubscribed but we did manage to get some emergency funding in at the time but like I said in light of what I've seen out there in light of some other businesses that really struggled and I've actually witnessed quite a few businesses go under as well and the human capital or the, the suffering again from all aspects it's It's not something nice to experience or see people suffering. So as a social business, you know, it's one of the things that we pride ourselves. We're here to support. And obviously we were, you know, with the restrictions as well. We weren't able to fully open up and most of our team were put on furlough, including myself. You know, we tried our best to support, you know, following the government guidelines as best as we could. So that's been really, you know, challenging. And I don't think just for ourselves, but I think across society and the business sector, you know, to to be honest, I think where we could, you know, rise to the challenge, we have done. But a lot more needs to be done. And like I said, building back better and everything else, these are just slogans at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. I think if you go out on the street, you know, people are just waiting to see what happens next because it's the uncertainty that's killing everyone at this moment in time. There is a great
0: deal of uncertainty, yes, and the government talks, of course, a good game about building back better and industry is going to have to play a huge part in making that a reality. But what do you feel, from your personal experience, the government could do to help businesses recover and thrive to make that vision real?
1: So, I think there's, there's a, a kind of a disconnect here from what centrally the government does nationally and, and the kind of local issues. Each local area is totally different and kind of suffered slightly differently as well. So, you know, COVID hasn't been, you know, fair to everyone equally across the UK in any shape or form. So talking about my experience based out of Greater Manchester, like I alluded to earlier, we have never really come out of lockdown and the infection rates have always been skyrocket high. And even the mayor, you know, you would have seen him on the TV at the time trying to negotiate a better deal. But like I said, there's so much uncertainty and the demand, you know, for any kind of assistance, that, you know, business have been crying out. Uh, locally, I found out, you know, most of the mainstream providers that were providing this type of support, obviously they shut up shop immediately and they could afford to do that. But the small SME businesses, the people who are really suffering that, you know, in the communities, you know, the people in low-level jobs, you know, they didn't have that luxury. And they didn't have no one to turn to. And like I say, we were uninvited, you know, with lots of calls from businesses, just asking us for simple things. What what grants are we entitled to? Is there any way you can support us? Because we were a bit, you know, not understanding, or individuals were really, you know, suddenly being put on furlough and then being made redundant and things like that, not understanding their rights. And although that's not, you know, central to what we, we offer completely, you know, the mainstream providers kind of just, weren't there to open up their doors so we felt like I said compelled in lots of different ways to you know try to open up as safely as we could but obviously uh, putting the safety of my staff and my team first you know it's been really challenging and it's not something that you know I felt uh, that we could have had more support with but like I said I think across the country generally you know with everything that's happened I think we're coming out of it now Oh, I hope we're coming out of it hoping, you know, to, to reset and do things slightly differently to how things have been done. You know, if we can't learn the lessons by now, then I think it's a monumental failure on us all, you know, because COVID has kind of shone a light on so many different aspects, not, not just in the business world, but in, in, the, in what's happened to communities, what's happened to people. And these are ordinary people, don't get me wrong. And we, we just, we owe it to them that we we, we actually come out of this a bit stronger and, and actually do things differently. Otherwise, I think, you know, we'll just fall back into the old routine and nothing ever changes. So, well, hopefully that's my aspiration going forward.
0: And when we talk about the lessons learned from the pandemic, from your
1: experience, Anwar,
0: what do you feel that you've taken away as a lesson from all of this, this quite difficult and challenging experience?
1: Um. The thing that I've, I've really taken away from it is the, the spirit, you know, it never ceases to amaze me when you know something bad happens, no matter what it is, whether it's here in the UK or anywhere in the world, you know, the the, the mobilisation of ordinary people, you know, and the, the capacity to do the right thing all the time. So, you know, that's what I've been really impressed with in terms of, you know, the volunteering, the COVID response in terms of that local offer, in terms of what people do and even businesses, you know, They were not open, you know, they're opening up the doors, they're trying to do things, they're really getting involved in communities in different ways. You know, we saw that very evident with the the NHS response at the beginning, you know, Mm. clapping hands on a Thursday, but, you know, food and all kinds of things happened. You know, it really lifted the spirit. But again, you know, what it did do is, like I say, highlight those inequalities more so than ever. And places like Oldham, for example, you know, there's some serious problems here. You know, they, these didn't happen just because of COVID. Well, they've been, you know, they've been underlining, you know, going on for the last 30, 40 years. But what COVID has done is really shone a light that you know we need to do something different. We we're going to have to, you know, and um, you know, really roll our sleeves up going forward and try address some of these inequalities because ultimately the human cost and the capital that's been lost here it, it's not worth kind of bearing, you know, to really take that forward in, in, in a different way. You know, it's, it really plays on my heart and sometimes I'm lost for words uh, when, when I'm thinking about something that I've kind of witnessed going forward.
0: I think you do raise an incredibly important point there. The first one being that the pandemic has had some positives despite being a tragic time in terms of how it's brought communities closer together. But what it has also done is expose deep rooted inequalities within society are absolutely right. And when we're in an environment where we're talking about the post-COVID world being one where technology plays more of a part in our day-to-day lives, people are going to have more sort of flexibility to work from home particularly digital poverty and that technological divide, that's certainly one of those inequalities that's going to have to be bridged, isn't it? Because there are a lot of people who've struggled during this lockdown with, for example, online education, people of school age who've not been able to access vital resources, and some people have been asked to work from home but simply don't have the technological capability to do that. So doing that, of course, accelerating the rollout of gigabit-capable broadband that the government's talked about—all of these have to form part of that build back better agenda, don't they?
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. In like, like I said, you know, COVID has affected different parts of the society differently. You know, the, the better well-off people, or the middle classes, or you know, the upper classes—you know, not being rude, but kind of whether, you know they haven't really experienced the the bad end of what COVID has brought to the table. Um, and the digital divide is growing daily in lots of ways. Technology is, is a great thing if you can have access to it, if you can afford it. You know, lots of people, as you've kind of mentioned there, you know, who are struggling just to get basic access to a PC or a laptop or something. I, I saw that firsthand myself within my family setting where obviously, I'm, you know, I have access to equipment. I have good, broad, fast broadband at home. So my kids, or well, my son, sorry, was able to, you know, to log on to his lessons online and the school provided, you know, plenty of online content. Well, equally my, my my own sister who, you know, is really struggles, you know, with three or four children, has one laptop, you know, between the three of them. And, you know, they, she really struggled. And that's just from a personal note. But I've seen out there in, in society, we tried to do a campaign where we, we're trying to get old devices out there into the community because people just didn't have access to, to it. you know, just the basic, infant, you know, equipment. And then when we go on to broadband, that's a different kind of a story because, again, in my opinion, broadband should be totally free to everybody. You know, give everyone free access because if, if we really want to embrace the digital age, you know, the most basic things, of you know, like a basic need will be just access to the internet. A good broadband service where you could just log on. We shouldn't actually charge people. I know there's a commercial reason for this, but I mean, mm. I'm a kind of a dreamer here at this moment in time. But if it was totally free, that would then open up the digital age truly for everybody. And that that digital divide, like I said, it, it, you know, unless you you experience it, you see it yourself. You know, I'm I'm very much at a privileged position, and but I've been there on the other side of the fence where when I was obviously we didn't have very much when I was growing up and I'd really understand and feel for people who who were just trying to do their best, you know, no matter where I go out into communities or speak to any individual, all people want to do is just a simple life. They want a a job, you know, but not being greedy here, you know, something that pays well so they can put food on the table, have the odd occasional treat and, and just get on with life, you know, in peace, in peaceful times. It's not much to ask for, but then there's so many things, like I said, that are out of their control that they have no control over that that it you know, it really holds people back and then that's the crux of one of the inequalities. I mean, that's just one being digital, but there's so many of these inequality things that can be solved if we really wanted to, and if and if we can come up with a vaccine in less than eighteen months, then surely if we just concentrated our efforts and really just put a bit more effort and resource into some of those issues, I think society as a whole would really benefit. And then, we, we like I said, it's, we could really move this conversation on because there's nothing worse than, uh, you know, a child not being able to go to school, not being able to access content, who then falls six, seven months behind even further. And that, you know, in the poorest of our communities, that's, that's a tragedy. And, that's not something that any of us should be proud of in any way, shape or form. If anything, we should be singing, you know, not singing, but shouting from our rooftops. You know, this shouldn't have happened Not in a, not in a 21st century. You know, UK, you know, one of the richest economies in the world. You know, why are we got so many inequalities? its It's just not acceptable to me.
0: Yes exactly it's something that we have to really face up to as we emerge from the pandemic isn't it and rightfully so we've talked about just how that sort of flexible working and flexible learning approach is so beneficial for that work-life balance and yet people are barred from the benefits of that by lack of access to digital and it is so so important that we do address that and um, what's also something that we're seeing as well is um, maybe a bit of hopelessness among young people also looking out at the jobs market and seeing the state of the economy. Um, for those sort of young aspiring people of sort of entrepreneurial stock, if you'd like, and aspiring business leaders and are there any words of encouragement you would have to give to those people at this time to get them to just take a breather and look at the opportunities that are there because despite the impact that COVID has had. There are going to be real opportunities as we hopefully bid to build back better as a society, and we implement these changes that we need to see, aren't there?
1: Yeah, um, and going in terms of going forward, like I said, and especially for the next generation coming forward, you know, we talk about Generation X or the millennials. You know, they're very much, you know, very informed in terms of what it is that they want. They don't. They don't want to kind of the old way of doing things you know they actually passionately care about the environment they actually care about each other in a different way you know the work the work life balance thing is is totally more important to them so i think building back better what you know and moving towards the future there's a whole host of opportunities out there we we kind of talked about digital before but i think we're in that digital you know industrial revolution or call it the digital revolution as we speak now and young people, and most of all people, we, you know, we're, we're so more connected now, and have more access to information, and there's so many opportunities out there. The bit that, like I said, that most people will be encouraged by is yes, as we unlock, and as we kind of hopefully build back better in whatever that means, in you know what it means to me is doing things differently. And I think young people are at the forefront of that because, if we're honest, you know, they've for a long time you know, they've had the bad end of the deal in terms of the opportunities, you know. With COVID, I think I saw a start the other day where it's saying that, you know, two-thirds of young people have been affected and most of them are unemployed. So again, building back a business opportunity because we've got so much talent nowadays as well. You know, what we need to do is inspire the next generation, you know, to give them the role models to aspire to and then actually work with them and give them the support that they kind of need, you know, at early stage or any stage in life and i think that you know the future will look bright if if we really engage in this conversation because so many issues in the world at this moment in time and i think the next generation are going to uh, be grappling with most of these and that i think they're already engaged in this conversation and it's just our duty as a society is how do we unleash that next generation to really you know help us solve the problems that many of us have kind of created or contributed to but I'm optimistic from what I've seen that hopefully the rhetoric around young people actually turns out to be real support and a genuine offer to the next generation. Otherwise, we're missing another opportunity here. And it, I'm very, you know, I want to be encouraged, and I believe in that human capacity to do well. And if we and we enable them to innovate and really put that task on them, and then give them the support and resources to do that. I think we can come out of this pandemic and society generally in a much better way than we would have done before. But it's, you know, I think it's down to us all now, you know, to really campaign and help as many young people as we can. Not that they're the only group out there that needs our support, but I think that the next generation can really, you know, they've got the ideas. You know, I see it all, all the time, the young people that I work with, whether it's helping them into employment or setting up businesses, they really are infused. they really care about the world in a way that, you know, our generations might not have done. So I'm I'm really inspired. That's probably one of my my big hopes that we, you know, unleash that potential of these young people and really support them going forward.
0: And let's keep our fingers crossed that that does happen and society doesn't abandon that generation of people. And I can imagine as well that Upturn, your business, Anwar, does have some exciting plans for the future, albeit we are still in something of an uncertain environment. But if we could sort of pretend we have a crystal ball for a moment and look ahead maybe 12 months from now, where ideally would you like yourselves to be this time in a year as hopefully we move out of social restrictions and how would you like to see society moving forward in that post-COVID world?
1: Yeah, I mean, my my big word at this moment in time is after the pandemic ends and going forward, the big thing that we should all be doing is collaboration and working together. There's not one organisation out there that can solve everything by themselves. And it's something that we pride ourselves at Upturn is, you know, we collaborate and it doesn't matter who you are to us, whether you're public, private, it doesn't matter. You know, let's come together because I always say, you know, two heads are better than one head. So, going forward, you know, I'm encouraged also by the conversations that are going on in terms of, you know, society wanting more social enterprises. And I'm the biggest advocate of social businesses and social purpose vehicles out there. But I always say, I always bring this always back to saying, look, we can't do it by ourselves. We only work and bring out the true potential when we collaborate. So, going forward, I'm, I'm encouraged from the number of conversations at this moment in time that I'm having, you know, whether that's with the public sector organizations like the NHS, the local authorities because again they're grappling with these same questions the private sector again they're grappling with okay how do we build that better in a different way you know they've been under severe pressure for a a long time now you know different sectors in terms of you know they've had some bad publicity you know the fat cats but not all public private sector organizations are like that in my opinion you know every business wants to do the right thing you know, given the opportunity. So that collaboration piece, I think, is the future. You know, best things always come when people come together. And for me, you know, looking forward for the next 12 months, we're, we're, you know, we're getting involved in some exciting collaboration pieces here, locally in Greater Manchester. You know, we've managed to secure a big part of a Greater Manchester bid that's brought in £8 million to invest in the next, next generation of social enterprises. But the bit that was missing was the ecosystem and that's the bit that I'm, I'm getting involved in at this moment in time. But my vision is obviously bring this conversation to the table and actually innovate because I think that's the next part of this journey for the, the UK economy with Brexit and everything else that is happening. We have to suddenly now you know innovate and do things slightly differently. So I'm really encouraged that going forwards, that businesses will step up, individuals will step up, And government will step up to enable, you know, all this to happen in partnership. And fingers crossed, you know, 12 months from now, if we're having another conversation, we we should be talking a bit more positively about how we're recovering and Mm. the opportunities that are being created for everyone.
0: I certainly hope that we can have such a positive discussion over the course of the uh, the next twelve months and more. And we are seeing those changes that we do really want to see. Exactly right. And I do think, just given how really eye opening it's been welcoming you onto the show with us today, it would be very productive to do that. And hopefully, there will be those positive stories to share of how we are building back better from this.
1: Yeah, like I said, you know, we're already seeing it here, Optum. You know the amount of people that you know we're, we're starting to kind of come to you know come and asking for our support again and the business community like i said you know the although we've been going through a very rough time as of late you know the the, the human spirit even you know never made you know always is there to, it surprises me or you know never sees to surprise uh and i'm really like i said i'm a kind of positive type of person generally you know i looking at the team and and speaking to lots of different people, you know, we just want to be, you know, unleashed if it's if, if, a word, to really get involved and really show society what we can do together. So um, fingers crossed, Scott, that, you know, in twelve months' time or even in six months time, as soon as we're given that opportunity, I think we we have to grasp the nettles here and really start to innovate because there's so many issues that I think we that can be turned around. We're not asking for magic money. To be turned, you know, just give us different things here. You know, there's there's a genuine opportunity here to 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 reset, to think about things in a in a calm way, and then come together and really solve some of society's big problems because I believe they can be solved. We've seen that with COVID, and I'm seeing it every day. You know, and um, you know the businesses are innovating all the time. So fingers crossed
0: food for thought for leaders within all walks of life i think and thank you so much for joining us on the show today and most importantly until we do speak again please do continue to take care and stay safe with all still going on we're not quite out of the woods yet but better days are coming i'm sure
1: well thank you scott like i said always a, a privilege to, to share some thoughts but like i said my fingers crossed and uh Next time we speak, we'll come out of this a lot better than where we are now.
0: I was speaking then to Anwar Ali, Managing Director of Upturn Enterprises, and I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Until next time, now that indoor hospitality has returned, I'm heading back to my usual spot in the Westminster Arms to raise a glass to outstanding leadership. And hopefully over the coming weeks, we will keep taking further strides toward normal life. Take care. And goodbye.